Daniel, Daniel and his three Hebrew friends have been taken captive along with a lot of other people. They're not the only ones that have been taken captive. But they have been taken captive, and you see that in the beginning of the chapter. Nebuchadnezzar uh, came in and took them captive. Uh, and they were teenagers more than likely at this time. Can you imagine that? And imagine being that age and being taken from home and now growing up in a very godless pagan culture and pagan society. And so when they would do this, when they would conquer people and bring them in, uh, there was a, a time period of indoctrination from taking everything out of their, of their mind and head and uh, what they had learned and replacing it with whatever was the theme of the, uh, the faith or the whatever, the, the practice of that particular land. And so in this case, it was about a three-year indoctrination process that was going on. You know, you think about indoctrination and what that means is what, what I was just saying is, is it's basically taking someone what they have been taught and reteaching them something else. Doesn't always mean it's a bad thing. Because if we were taught error, then we need the truth, right? Because the truth sets us free. Uh, but in this case, it was the other way around. They were uh, leaving their homeland and they were... Uh, being taught other things that were not true or that were pagan of the pagan society there in Babylon and even even so much as to give them a new name and that's not the sermon today but if you'll read that you'll see that they were even all given a brand new name uh, that had to do with where they were at that time the hope was not just that they would eat steak and drink wine and have a new name the hope was that they would leave their Hebrew God behind and they would start practicing the, the ways of the pagan society. To leave the, the God of the Hebrews, their God, the one true living God, and start doing what the pagans were doing. Now think about it. This was thousands of years ago. Now we're 2023. Uh, obviously, this is well before the time of Christ. You know, potentially, uh, you know, 3,000 years ago, if not longer. I don't know. I didn't work on that part of it. You'll forgive me for that. But thousands of years from today. Think about what I just said. The indoctrination, trying to leave uh, the society, the, uh, the, the, the Babylons were trying to indoctrinate these uh, young people and middle-aged people, and of course they brought a lot of the smart ones. They wanted a lot of the smart ones, right? They wanted them, but everybody. And the idea was to leave the one true God for the pagan practices of this new land. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. In 2023, this is exactly what is happening still happening and it's always been happening wherever we look wherever we go uh, this is what's happening and we are not hebrews necessarily unless you are maybe if we do have one i don't know but i would say for the most part we're gentiles here today 
but, but, but that's not the point. The point is that the same indoctrination is on full display in 2023 in our lives. Like Brother Kevin said earlier, it's on the YouTube, it's on the Facebook, it's definitely in the schools. Amen. Uh, it's in everywhere, okay? It's everywhere. Everywhere we go, uh, there's an indoctrination going on. And so what is the difference is this. It's not Nebuchadnezzar, but now it's Satan. Now it's Satan, which it was then as well, I guess. He was the, the mastermind behind uh, Nebuchadnezzar. We have a problem, Miss Donna, we have a problem with the internet, okay? That's okay. We're on it. Thank you very much. Yeah, technical difficulties, it happens. Thank you for being concerned about it. Um, and so the indoctrination is coming from Satan, and he wants you and he wants me to be pulled away from the faith that was once delivered. What is the faith that was once delivered? God's word. Okay? And by the way, we're still delivering it. And it's not ours. It's God's. And so, but he's, he's wanting us to identify. Okay, so here's what Satan is wanting to do today. He's wanting to identify us in reference to the world. Okay? He's wanting us to feed us what the world offers. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar changed their name. Satan wants to identify us in reference to the world. In other words, he wants people to see us and not see Christ. But that's, that's why God saved me. That's why God saved you. He didn't save you and me so that we could look like and act like and talk like and identify with the, the world. There should be something different in you and different in me that people would see not us, but Christ in us. So Satan's trying to block that. By the way, he's trying to block that in my life. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how sh uh, short amount of time you've been saved. Uh, he's trying to block because he hates Christ. Think of that. And if Christ as the Spirit of God, Jesus is not in us. The Holy Spirit is in us, okay? Jesus is at the right hand of the, of the Father interceding for us. These are all biblical principles, not for in the message right now. But we have Christ in us in the Holy Spirit. We have God in us in the Holy Spirit, pardon me. And Satan hates everything about God. So if you have the Holy Spirit in you and you're saved and on your way to heaven, I want you to know this. This is not to intimidate, but it's just a reality. Satan hates you. And by the way, if you're not saved today and you don't know Christ, Satan hates you too. Because he wants you in hell with him. And what does he want to do with me? He can't take me to hell. Praise the Lord. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm in the hands of God. And if you're saved, you can make that same statement today and say, praise the Lord. But what he wants to do is he wants to mar my ministry. You have a ministry. You don't have to be a pastor to have a ministry. Every believer has a ministry. And what does Satan want to do? He wants to mar it. What does that mean? He wants to cover it up with dirt and soot and film so that what happens? The light doesn't shine through. And so this is what the attempt was being done there. 
but he also wants to feed us what the world offers. And we kind of think back to Daniel 1. We're going to get back to Daniel 1 in a minute. The introduction is long, okay? But we're going to get back to Daniel 1. But he wants to feed us what the world offers. They, wanted, they gave them some, um, they offered them some, some prime rib, right? Uh, verse number 8 says, the king's meat the king's meat. We have no idea exactly what that was, so just use your imagination, you know. It's okay. We're not writing anything in there, but it was top-notch. I'll tell you that. It wasn't, it wasn't a tube steak, all right? How many of you know what tube steak is? How many know what tube steak is? How many of you don't know what tube steak is? Tube steak is a hot dog. Come on now. That's right. You've got truth today, whether you like it or not. Tube steak is a hot dog. Everybody's going to be thinking about a hot dog on the way home. Let's go get a hot dog. And... Uh, that's what we used to call them because, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of steak in the house. We had two steak. Anyway, okay, let's get back to the Bible. So they wanted to feed us what the world offers. That's what Satan wants to do today. And, buddy, he's got a big bowl, a big spoon, and he's ready for you and me to open our mouths. But we don't have to open our mouths. Just because Satan has a big bowl of the world doesn't mean I have to eat it. Now, if you go home today and there's something on the table that you don't like, kids, you can't use that one on your parents. <laughs> Pastor, just because your parents are your friends, <laughs> they're not the end. Well, they're, they're, yeah, they're your friends, but anyway, they're, they're, they're there to help you. And so if there's, a, if there's some uh, Brussels sprouts on the table today, and that's not one of your top ten things to eat, uh, eat it anyway, all right? Open your mouth and eat it, all right? But when the enemy says, here, have this, we don't have to open our mouth. I think the Bible says something about yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Not the temptation, but the yielding of it. So we can say no. Resist the devil. That's what I was trying to get to that one in my head. It was, it was in there somewhere in the five-line cabinet. Resist the devil. And what happens? Bye. You'll flee from don't open your mouth when the devil says, here, take a bite of this. But that's what they were trying to do in Daniel. And then they were also, Satan will also, he's trying to educate us in the ways of the world. And I think we kind of covered that already. But I want us to zero in for just a few more minutes on this word in Daniel 1.8, and that's the word purposed. The word purposed. It means to set, to be settled. Um, here, here's, here's something that I've mentioned before, but repetition is the key to learning, and it's probably because somebody else mentioned it to me. Uh, Daniel was settled on what he would do when the time came to do it. Can you think about that with me for a moment? Can you meditate on that with me for a moment? Daniel was settled on what he would do. That's future tense. When the time came, it wasn't that Daniel was going to wait until a decision came about that he would say, okay, now I've got to make a decision about this. No, he was already settled on what he would do when the time came. In other words, here's another way that God, in other words, I wrote it down. Daniel made his decisions before he had to make his decisions. If we wait to make our decisions, church, 
Dad, Mom, if we wait to make our decisions, teenager, if you wait to make your decisions for when the peer pressure comes, you will fold. Mark it down. If you wait to say no, when it's time to say no, you need, you need to decide the no's before it's time to say no, is what I'm saying. It makes it a whole lot simpler that you've already made that decision when somebody says, here, smoke this, here, drink this, here, watch this, here, read this, and it's not pleasing to the Lord, and you know it's not pleasing the Lord. You don't even have to give it one millisecond of thought. You just say, no, that's not for me, because I've already purposed something. Now, where do we get this how do we get this, um, uh, where do we make this decision from? What, what is a verse maybe that we could look at? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Because I believe God has equipped us with everything we need. And I thank you so much for your prayers. God is so good. And uh, I'm just praying today that you and I will determine to be men and women that are purposed that are settled, not when the time comes, but that we're settled right now on whatever that might be. Now, so what do we base this decision on? Well, truth, okay? Truth, don't base it on your feelings, right? <laughs> this is feelings, right? They go up and down and all around, but base it on truth. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Did I give you that chapter yet? Colossians 3, 17. Now, we're going to read it slowly. Don't read it to the end yet. <laughs> Maybe you already did. That's okay. Notice what Paul says to the church at Corinth. And whatsoever. Let's stop right there. Whatsoever. That covers everything. Okay? That's what that means. Whatsoever. It does, there's nothing that you want to leave out. Now, I like, I like this. He says, whatsoever ye do in word. All right, so whatsoever, whatever, anything we say, that's what it means by word, right? Anything that we say, all of our communication, all right, in, 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 in what we say. But then notice he says, and whatsoever ye do in word or what? Deed. So he just says right here, whatever you say, whatever you do, you got to make it, you got to be settled on this ahead of time. Notice what he says. Do all. I mean, these words, aren't these words great? I mean, words, right? I like how Brother Kevin said, words have meaning. Don't skip over the meaning. Whatsoever, all. It just ties together. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. The, the, I'm telling you, the... the uh, the, uh, whatever you call it, is raised, the bar is being raised on how we should live our life and how we should be settled. It should be settled based on, it, we can do what we're about to do, we can say what we're about to say in the name of the Lord Jesus. But he says, even take it further, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So here is the, here is the, um, the measuring rod. How should we live our life? How should we be settled? We should be settled that we can do what we're doing, say what we're saying, based on we can say, I can do this in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I can say this in the name of Jesus. I can do this and give thanks to God. 
Think about what, think about what Paul is saying here. I can, I can get in an argument with my wife and say, thank you, God, for that argument. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> now we don't, we're going to have arguments, okay? There's no marriage that doesn't have them. All right? They all, we all have them. But what we're, what we're striving for is a purposed marriage. It's settled. Not when the emotion level get, you know, ding, it's too late. <laughs> you got a purpose that when the emotion goes up, I've already made the decision. Soft answer turneth away wrath. That can be in a lot of different settings, right? The key is, can we do it in the name of the Lord, what we're about to do, can we say what we're about to say and give thanks to God for it? We have to, you have to make that decision. But I'm saying that Daniel was already settled. Daniel had a God consciousness about him. Maybe write that down and think about that. Do I have a God consciousness? We're living in a godless society. I think we already know that. You didn't need me to tell you that. But that is no excuse for a Christian like me, and I'm, I'm just going to use me as an example, to not be conscious of God. And you know what? It's, it's very, it can be very easy. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know or whatever, how much we are and things of like that, you know, theologically in our head. And we need, we need to grow in grace and in in learning things of the Bible. I'm not criticizing that. What I'm saying is, it can happen to anyone that all of a sudden we're not even conscious of God. And it shows, you know how it shows? It shows in our speech and it shows in our deeds. But Daniel was consciousness of God. Even though Daniel was in a pagan land, he knew God was watching because he was settled. You see that? Let's look at it. Let's go back there, please. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself because he was settled. He was purposed. He had a consciousness of God. You know, tomorrow when we go to the work uh, uh, place, there's going to be people there that are going to take God's name in vain. And by the way, I pray for you men and ladies that are working secularly. And, but, and, and I pray for you, number one, that God would protect you in that, but that God would make you a light. And there's stories from the weekend, and there's stories from here, and stories from there. And, oh, it's like, I don't want to hear this. And maybe there's a way that we can, you can do a little better. I'm not, I'm not correcting anyone. I don't, I'm not correcting anyone. I'm just saying that a consciousness of God in our life. He knew God was watching. By the way, here's, and I, I was going to give you this quote before I said what I just said, but I'm going to give you the quote now. A God-conscious Christian doesn't compartmentalize, oh boy, there's a big word, compartmentalize his life into church over here and over here, everything else. If you're conscious of God, what, what that statement means is it's not I have a church way of living and I have an every other day way of living. If we're conscious of God, 
it is all one. The, the God-conscious Christian has a desire um, to keep Christ at the center of their life and his or her life and do what? All in the name of the Lord Jesus, Colossians chapter 1. That's the goal. We want to be able to live our life and say, I live my life today, and I can say in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, you know what? Everybody's, gonna, everybody's going to uh, fall in. Everybody's going to have problems with that. But where we ought to be striving, striving. Maybe you want to write that down somewhere on a card. Put it in every, somewhere where you see things regularly. And just say this, am I conscious of you, God? Question mark. Because this world that we live in will, will do a whole lot to you and me to even live in a way that we're not even conscious that there is a God, even though we're saved. We don't have much time for Anyway, that's coming up later. Okay. Watch my time. So, number one, I think we have number one here. I think we already said it. Daniel's heart was set. It was set. We could say that Daniel, in a way, had what we call foresight. Foresight. What does this mean? It means what we've already been talking about. Daniel prepared in advance. Teenager, this is time for you to prepare for your adulthood life. Don't wait until you're an adult to figure out things of the Lord. Start asking God now. God, show me what I need to learn. God, prepare me for my adult life. Prepare me for college. Prepare me for whatever. You're 12. Uh, maybe you're not praying for college yet, but you know, prepare me for uh, my math test. Foresight. The thing is, God consciousness is not just for pastors and pa pastors' family and, and, and church people and church people's family. I'm not elevating us above. I'm just saying that in general. Foresight is for every believer of God. And it's not a matter. We should not wait. Parents, we should not wait. We should have some foresight and begin to instruct our children in the things of the Lord. Yes, they have decisions to make when they're adults, but do everything we can by the grace of God to give them that foresight. This is something I must do. This is something you must do. This is something we all must do. The devil is so smart. He's smarter than me. He's smarter than you. And the devil has many devices. Look what it says quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He's coming along right now. And he's looking. He's looking for people like me at times. Like you at times that are not purposed, that are not settled, that are not conscious of God. And he's looking, he's just looking for, uh, the Bible says, to not even give him a place. And that's talking about just the little space that he's looking for. He's not locking, looking for the door wide open. He'll kick it wide open. He's got a big boot. Um. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Notice that last word, devices. Not device, devices. So everyone here... Probably he's got a little bit of a different device 
that works with you that doesn't work with me. He's got many devices. So, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we need to settle our hearts. We need to be purposed. See, here's, here's what Satan says. Satan says, just this once. Just this once. The person that is addicted to something today Satan says, just this once. But that's, that's the lie of the devil. And if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm settled, I say to the devil, no, not even once. Now, maybe you've already stepped into the once and the twice and the three times. There's, there's a God who is in you in the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, that you can be delivered from anything, any sin, any worry, any fear. But you can't keep saying yes to the, to the enemy. You know, pornography is a big problem in Christian men. Notice I did not say in the world. The numbers are staggering. If you have a problem with that, you need to Get that with the Lord. You need to stop saying yes, and you need to be settled. If you've got to cut the cord to the internet, cut the cord to the internet. Whatever it is, to the alcoholic, just take one drink. Whatever it is. You know, um, I hate Satan. Hating hates me. Hates me. We both have an agreement on that. And I hate what Satan does in my life. But I, have an, but I have armor to wear, don't we? And so do you. And so we can be victorious. I hate what Satan does in your life. And I'm not saying anything that's not to be negative. I'm just saying I hate Satan, period. And so should you. But we can... We can, by the grace of God, follow Daniel's uh, example and get settled on some things. Settle some things. Get your heart set. Get it set on God's word. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. And by the way, he will always get an advantage if you're trying to overcome him in your own strength. It is absolutely impossible. To, to the child of God, Satan says, you can skip church just once. Don't do it. I'm saying you're healthy and you can be here. If you're not healthy, stay home, rest up and come back. But skip once. You know, that's been the lie of the devil for many believers. And in some cases, they skip themselves right out of church. And I'm not saying that to be funny or cute. It's, it's, uh, it burdens me as an under-shepherd. Settle that. Settle that. Is, is being in church important? Is it something that we can find in the Bible? And both of those are yes. It's not the pastor's admonition. It's God's admonition. So settle that. Prepare in advance. Be purposed about that, that when something comes up, that is avoidable, avoid it and be in church. 
you'll have to figure out what's not avoidable and what is avoidable. We can skip. Satan says, you can skip your Bible reading. Just skip it today. You're a little tired. Skip it today. Again, we've all skipped our Bible reading before. All right? Uh, so I'm not saying that we're, we're experts on this. I'm saying let's get it settled. Whatever you need to fill in the blank with, Satan will say you can skip it just once, just once, just once. No, be settled. Can't skip it. Can't skip that prayer time. Can't skip that Bible reading. We've got to be in the Word of God. Can't skip that meeting. You know what? You never know what Brother Haley's going to say tonight at church. He's going to be preaching tonight. I'm just going to tell you, you won't know what he's going to say if you're not there. Now, we have a live stream sometimes. You guys are awesome, by the way. Thank you for your help. I know you've been scrambling around like back egg, like eggs back there. So thank you. And David, whatever you were trying to help with, thank you for that. God is good. Years ago, we didn't have any of that, but I'm glad we have it. It is a tool, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So God is good. Satan said, Daniel, you deserve to have this nice meal. No one will ever know. You're, law, you're far, far away from home. Think about it. I remember when I went to college, I'd never left home. I went to college, just turned 18 two months before that, down in Florida, long way from home. No one, you know, my parents were nowhere near me. I'm not saying I was a pristine college student. I tried to do right and obey the rules at Bible college, but I'm sure I made some mistakes. The point is, Daniel, he settled it. So that when the decision came, mm, you know what? I'm not having this meat. I'm not having this wine. Let's look, about, let's look at something else with Daniel. Not only was Daniel's heart settled, but Daniel, Daniel's protest was done in grace. You see that? Look at verse 11. Then Daniel said to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So what happens is, verse 12, I'll read it. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. All right? So Daniel's saying, we'd like to have a little bit different of a diet. We don't want to have any of the uh, king's meat, and we don't want to have any of the wine. We'd like to have some vegetables, beans, seeds of this sort, uh, and, and water. Oh, my. What a, you think about that, what a drop down, you know? From a steak to something, that, you know, of pulse, and, and, and from the best of the wine which the king drank down to water. But notice, he said, verse 13, then let our countenances be looked upon before thee uh, and the countenances of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants uh, at the end of 10 days. At the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. And so let's go back up. Sorry, I, I missed a verse. Verse 10. Sorry. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. He's saying... You know, I have a boss. My boss is the king. 
And I kind of have a fear of him, like, you know, if I don't do what the king says, you know, I might be headless or whatever. So he said, um, why should, why should uh, he see your faces worse lightning, worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head, see there, to the king. But notice verse 9. I'm kind of reading backwards for a reason, all right? God had brought Daniel into what? Favor and tender love. So Daniel's protest, Daniel's stand for right, Daniel's um, being settled and standing was done with grace. My stand for truth, your stand for truth, your being settled, your saying no, does not need to be done in an obnoxious way. In fact, Paul says the way that we're supposed to stand for right is in love. Ephesians 4.15, if you want to jot the reference down, I'm not going to turn there for time, but the first part of the verse says, but speaking the truth in love. Daniel, that's what I see that in Daniel's life. You know, I don't read in here him stomping up and down and saying, I'm not eating the drink, I'm not drinking the drink, I'm not eating the meat, no way, Jose. Sorry. I know Jose better. He said, can I present to you plan B? You know, sometimes we don't have to do everything our employers tell us to do. You say, what? Pastor Turner, are you kidding me? Jose's like, what do you mean? I'm not, don't, don't say that to my guys. <laughs> okay, don't, don't cut me off. The set, set, set statement's not done yet. We can sometimes go to them and say, like, Dan, like Daniel. It may be for doing a, a, a job. And you, you see it a little different way. I'm not saying standing for truth right now, but I am going to bring this into it in just a minute. We can speak to our employers with respect. We can speak to our employers with dignity and say, is there any way this? One of the big ones is this. A lot of times we think that because we are employed, we have to do, we have to take the schedule every time. You know, I want, I want you to pray and think about what I'm about to say. You don't have to always take that Sunday work schedule. Have you ever gone to your employer and said, you know, I go to church on Sunday. Is there any way I could have Sundays off? I'm willing to work any day of the week, Monday through Saturday. But I really want to be in church on Sunday. Or do we just do whatever our employers give us instead of going to them and saying, like Daniel, again, he's not saying, I'm not doing it. Now, he did purpose in his heart that he wasn't going to do it, but he went about it the right way. And he said to his, uh, he said to Melzar, can we do it this way? I'm just saying, you know, maybe there's a way that you and I, as we stand for right, as we stand for truth, we don't have to push people away from the Lord because of our attitude and because of our demeanor that we can draw people closer to the Lord because of the way that we live our life and the way we communicate in this world. In other words, our position should always be strengthened by our disposition. 
our position. What is our position? We want to say no to the enemy, but we can have a good disposition while we do it. Our disposition, our position should always be strengthened by our disposition. So Daniel, uh, he, Daniel was set. Daniel's heart was set. Daniel, uh, he had a protest. He, he didn't agree with something, but his heart was set and he did it with gracefulness and God worked it out in a mighty way. So I wonder this morning, what is it that God is speaking to us about? I wonder if there's some things that we need to get settled on. I wonder today, are you settled on your eternity? If you were to die today, are you sure that you would be in heaven? If you say, I'm not sure. I might be. I could be. Well, might be and could be are not sure. That's not settled. Okay? Now, I can't settle it for you. But I know God loves you. And he doesn't want you to be unsettled about eternity. And the Bible makes it very clear how we can be settled. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Not by the church, not by baptism, but by Christ. You can settle that today. Again, I'm not twisting your arm, but if something inside of you is right now saying, you need to settle that, that's God. It's not the enemy, because the enemy would never say that. That's God, because he loves you saying, yes, listen to what that guy up there is saying, because he's talking the truth. And you need to settle it, settle it today. But maybe many of us have already settled that, and, but there's some other things in our life that are, we've not purposed to do right on. I pray that God's spirit has challenged us about those things. It could be quickly going from hearing news and then, you know, I struggle sometimes with fearing the unknown. I need to settle that, that I'm not going to let fear overcome me. Instead, I'm going to go into the word of God that's still up here and a little bit, it's still up here. We can bring it up and quote it and not live in fear. I need to be settled on that. And so may God help us in this area. Daniel purposed in his heart before he had to make a decision. 